Um, so Galatians, we're ending Galatians, or Paul rather is ending Galatians, and, and, uh, and so we're looking at, at the final few verses. And, and um, some years ago, um, our staff went off for a, a day retreat. We do these uh, fairly regularly, um, yearly at least, that we will do a, a getaway with, uh, with our staff to say, let's just leave the kind of the office, our day-to-day change of pace, and let's go somewhere, a house offside or, or a cabin or something. Um, and we'll talk about big picture vision. We'll talk about goals and dreams. We'll talk about celebrating what God has done and what we've been a part of and, um, and what we'd love to see in the future and, and saying like, man, this is the direction as a church we should be going and, and we wanna be intentional about these things and how are we doing and, and, um, and, and, uh, and we'll always have some sort of, we'll watch a, a video with uh, a leadership training from you know, top-notch, uh, top-notch leadership gurus and, and then we'll, we'll discuss and like, all right, so what did we hear? What, how is this, how can we lead better, serve better, um, minister better? How can we do, how can, how can we, as we like interact with people in church, how can we just, just make sure that we're always, like we're always moving forward, never backwards. And I remember this one particular retreat. It was now, it's been a few years now. And we were challenged with, uh, with one particular question. And this, this one question, um, it was big en- it's a big enough question that it literally, and, and I, I, I don't want to exaggerate or like, you know, overly hype up or hyperbole. Um, and, and there's always a risk of that when you say like, oh man, this is, has the potential to change your life. But this question, it really does. It really does have the potential to change the direction of your life. And, 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 and we're probably, I get it. You're probably tired of hearing that kind of stuff, right? Like we get all the time in advertising, this, buy this thing and it'll change your life, right? This car or this new kind of shirt. It, you forget everything you thought about shirts. We got a new one. You're like, okay. How new can it be? Like, right, like, okay, that doesn't change much. But, you know, like, here's a brand, this, this new, I mean, whatever it is, deodorant is going to change your life. Like, oh, maybe it will. Um, or, or like, you know, like this new type of shoe, they're called Crocs. Okay, we got, you got some, some Croc fans. It's like a cult. If you're a Croc fan, you, like, you know, other, like, you see, you, you see people wearing Crocs. I don't, I, it's not even in my notes. Um, we're just going for it. Like, you see other people in Crocs, you're like, I bet we would be best friends. If we knew each other, we would, I know we would be best friends. And, and if that's you, um, the, the person on staff you want to talk to, Pastor Andy, go talk to him. Like, he's got a collection. He loves it. Um, I, I'd also love, no, I don't. I can't even say I do. I'd, for my sabbatical, you know what they got me in preparation for relief? Crocs. I'm like, oh, I wear these every day. I'm like, oh, are they my son's size? Perfect. He loves them too. Uh, but like you, all the time we get, we're, we're inundated with stuff that's like, this is going to change your life. And so when you hear someone get on stage and say like, hey, this could change your life, you're like, okay. All right. You know how many life-changing things I've heard in my life? Yeah, none of them took. All right, listen. This one, I, honestly, I hope, and I really do believe is different. It really is. It's not one of those, this is the best thing ever. And you, I'm so glad you're here. And you picked a great day to be at church. And any other day is terrible, but this is the right day. And like, no, no, no. This isn't, this isn't really isn't hype. Here's the question. And this was a question that, that when, we, when we, we heard it and, and sat and, and discussed, it's slightly, it's weird and it's slightly disturbing, but it's one that it, it's not easy to answer. It's not quick to write a response. Um, and, and it took, we spent 30 minutes thinking and writing and rewriting um, and, then, and, then, and then not even finishing how we would answer this question. Here it is, ready? 
what do you want people to say at your funeral? Wait a minute. Church was going, everything was so great. This is a nice, lovely morning, and now you, you're, you got me thinking about literally my end. And, and I remember we're going through this, this leadership and, and um, um, uh, uh, presentation about like thinking about your end and then, now, and then working your way backwards to where you are and to think, what do you want people to say? Listen, maybe you, I'm going to give you a stat. Maybe you haven't heard before. One out of every one people die. So your chances of not dying is really low. So listen, one day, one day there will be some sort of memorial service, a funeral of some kind about you. It's weird to think about. We don't want to think about it. Uh, we don't want to think like, am I close? Am I not close? Who knows? But listen, I can tell you this. It will happen. At some point it will happen. And your loved ones, your friends, your family, maybe coworkers, they'll all gather and, and, and they'll, they'll talk about you. And if you could control and decide what they said about you, what would you want it to be? Now, that's, I, I, I don't expect to like see you in the hallway after and be like, hey, how would you answer that? Like, no, no, I need to sit and think about this for a minute. What do I want, what do I want to be known for? When we look at, at the end of Galatians, uh, what we're gonna see is Paul tell us what he once said at his funeral. He's gonna answer this question. Though he didn't have the question in front of him, he's gonna tell us, here's what I once said at my funeral. Here, of all the stuff that I'm gonna be remembered by, this is the thing. And he's also gonna tell us what other people are gonna be remembered for, what they are gonna have said at their funeral. These, these false teachers who are coming in and trying to preach a different gospel, oh, he's gonna speak to them as well. And, and he tells us, what I'm about to say is really, really important. And he says it in a way that if you're just reading, the, the, if you're just reading through Galatians and you're at the end and you're going through it verse by verse, you kind of just skip over this verse and you almost go like, I don't even know what he's talking about, but I'll just keep going. Here's what he says. And he starts this passage in verse 11 and he says this. See what, what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. You read that and you're like, that, I mean, are you, are you bragging about, you know, your penmanship? Like, you know, hey, look, look, at, look at these curlies that I can do on these letters. Like, Paul, what, is this, what are you talking about? And, and commentators um, will say it's probably referring to two things, though one is certainly in view here. We know that Paul had eye issues, that he struggled with his eyesight. Um, in another letter, he actually says that, I know that, you know, you as a church, you wish that you could give me your eyes. And so he's acknowledging that they recognized he had, he had vision problems and they were like, man, we wish we could give you our eyes to help you. And, and so some commentators will say like, he's, he's writing and it's just evidence that like, hey, my health's not good, I'm declining. See, see how large of letters I'm writing? I know I'm towards the end of my life, not the beginning. And, and, like, um, and, and, and I want you to know that, um, that I, I, it gets work to do this for you. Um, most of, in fact, all of Paul's letters, uh, maybe you didn't know this, he didn't write them. I mean, he he wrote them, but he had someone actually physically write them. He would dictate them. So he would speak to someone and then they would physically write it down. He had a, a few people that would follow him and uh, travel with him and do this. Uh, Romans, we see at the end of Romans, it says, um, I, Tacitus, like I write these letters down for you. He's like, hey, I'm just saying hi, by the way. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the scribe writing what Paul tells me. Just, just want you to know my name, right? Forever in scripture, awesome. I'm, I'm in the Bible, I made it. <laughs> and, and then there's a few times where Paul, like he'll write, I write this with my own hand. So he'll say like, I write this greeting with my own hand. 
And Galatians is one of those where, where he's like, all right, listen, this isn't, I had the scribes all write all this. Okay, now I'm about to write something and here's the proof. Look at the large letters I'm writing. And then commentators will say um, that, that not only was his eyesight poor, but, but this, is, this is another way of saying like, hey, of all the stuff that I've said, it's all important, but I'm gonna physically write down this last part and I'm gonna write it in all caps, bold, as large, look, look how large I'm writing this. I want you to focus on what I'm about to tell you. For Paul, he's ending with, by saying this, this is what you need to know. All right, Paul, tell us, what is it we need to know? And he's gonna tell us now this. We're gonna hear, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. What you boast about, what you and I, what we boast about, what you boast about is what you care the most about. <laughs> it's cute, right? That's good. I came up with that, by the way. You're welcome. But it's true. What you boast about, what you talk about, what you're proud of is what you care the most about. And, and this is true like in all aspects of your life. Um, today, today's an important day, right? Football. It started. Well, it started Thursday. Thursday was a good day. Today, my team's playing. Today's, in fact, they're an hour in. Don't say a thing. Don't tell me. Don't look at your phone. Don't look at scores. But, but like, I, so I'm, I like sports. I don't know if you're a sports person. Maybe you're not. And you're like, you, right now you just tune this part out. I, I understand that too. But like, like I, I love sports. I'm, I'm especially football. And like all feels right with, again with the world when football starts. And I'm in a fantasy football team that I lose every year and I hate it, it's, but I love it too. And, and like, so like, like if you're around me for any amount of time, like you'll probably hear sports because like I really like sports, so I talk about it. For you, there are stuff that you talk about that, that you love. Things that you're like, man, and especially like things that you do or hobbies that you do. Like, like it's really easy to know like someone's life by just reading their Facebook or social media stuff and just see the stuff they post, right? If, if all of your posts have a fish in it, I bet this person loves to fish. Just taking a stab, just... Just going out on a limb. They love to fish. Or, or like, like, if, like, you'll see this too. My wife used to critique me and she's like, man, you always post that. Like if your stuff has food, like I would, I would post like meat that I'm cooking. Like, oh man, look at this. She's like, like, going, like going through your history, like you got a lot of steaks on there. Yeah. So in fact, I could probably use a few more. <laughs> What you boast about, what you talk about, what you put on display for the world to see is what you care the most about. Yeah, that makes sense. Paul's gonna tell us that very thing. And here's what he's gonna say, that the things that you boast about are what you're gonna be remembered for. Oh, all right. So Paul, he isn't, he isn't finished with these Judaizers. He's been talking about them throughout all of Galatians, that they're preaching a gospel different and, and they're adding works and they're adding stuff you have to do to be saved. What do you have to do to be saved? Yeah, listen to Paul, but you also got to do these other, these other things. And, and all of Galatians is about now Paul addressing them. And he's going to speak to these, to, to, to specifically their motives. And there's three that he mentions. And we're going to look at this passage and, and you're going to do a little bit of work and you're going to try and find them yourself. And then I'll give you the answers. Don't worry, I'll, I'll make sure you get the answers to the quiz. But he's going to give three motivations for why they're doing this. Here's the passage. See if you can spot these three. Those, now he's saying, I'm writing with these large letters with my own hand. And here it is, ready? Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised 
that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Okay, he gives three motivations. I don't know if you see it as you're going through, like, oh yeah, that's one, that's one, I think that's one. Here they are. Here's the answers, ready? The first one he says, they're trying to impress people by their actions. They want people to say, wow, they're, they're pretty incredible. They're great. They want to impress people by means of the flesh and trying you to do the same. They want to avoid persecution for their faith, he says. And they want to boast about, ready for this, about their influence over you. These three motivations that they have, here's why they're doing these things. They wanted people to be impressed how they lived. They adjusted their faith in such a way that they wouldn't have to face opposition or persecution. Most of the persecution for Christians came from Jews. The Jewish people who were like, you're trying to create a different religion. Uh, uh, you're, you're blaspheming. You're saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, that he's the son of God. We can't, allow, that's not, that's, you are creating something entirely new. So these Judaizers say, no, 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 we're not doing that. We're still requiring people to, to go through the Jewish system and customs and rules and, and start with, started with circumcision. You gotta do that. You wanna be a Christian, you gotta become a Jew first, then a Christian. Okay, all right, so they're still us. They're still part of us. And because of that, they wouldn't face persecution. Certainly not like Paul did. And then we see they wanted to manipulate people to get what they wanted. That they, they wanted, though they they themselves couldn't keep the law. They wanted to boast about getting you to try. Now we, we read these, and wouldn't you know it? Sounds exactly how a lot of people live their life today. And in their funeral, you, we all, when, when someone's, you know, you're at a memorial or funeral service or gravesite, it's never like, it's never the bad stuff. Like they're always remembered in a positive way. You try and find something. Sometimes it's harder, but you try. And, and, and so you, like, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be people up here who would say it this way, like, oh man, they just try to manipulate people. Oh, they just wanted people to be so impressed with them. But you know their life maybe was like that. And you know it because maybe at times your life has been like that. There's been plenty of times in your life where you've done things Honestly, I just want people to know what I did and how good it was. In fact, we could probably say this. Like, if you take politics out of social media, <laughs> like the personal stuff is, is probably mostly this. The good stuff. The stuff that we accomplish. The stuff that we're proud of. That we want people to be like, wow, great job. That's, that's amazing. And it's not even bad stuff. But like, like, we just want people to be impressed in how we live and what we do. We've... There's plenty of people, plenty of people, probably even in this room, I hope this isn't the case with you, but there's plenty of people I know that, that will adjust their faith in the hopes of not, of not creating any kind of, of struggle or opposition or, or any, certainly not persecution. In fact, we, like in culture today, we probably would say this, like the worst, the greatest sin you could ever commit and, and I would say that this is probably the culture, like this, the society of, of America, of Western society, the greatest sin that you or I commit ever, ever, like worse than everything else is to, is to possibly offend someone. That if you offend someone, you've somehow broken the, the, the unwritten rule. That we, you can't offend me, I'm offended. 
In fact, you need to change how you run your business because it offends me. I'm offended by what you said or what you did or what you believe. So you need to change, not me. And here's what we see in society. Oh, you, you know what? You're totally right. Okay, we're going to change our policy because we don't want to offend anyone. Oh. And, and if we're not careful, that can creep into our lives to, to the point where we say, listen, I don't want to offend anyone. And I know that there's probably two things that offend people. Two, two things you're not supposed to talk about, which seems to be like the only things we talk about now. Religion and politics. Hey, hey, listen, let's just not talk about it because I don't want to offend anyone. And, and if we're not careful, we can get to a point where we say, I know that like Jesus, the name Jesus is offensive and the gospel certainly is offensive to people. So, you know what? I'll just tone it down. I don't want to talk about it. You know, uh, I, just won't, I just won't be as out there about my faith as maybe I, I should or could because I don't want to offend anyone. Here's what Paul's saying. That's exactly what they were doing. They downplayed their faith so it wouldn't, it wouldn't face any kind of persecution or hardship of any kind. And then he says they, they boast about their influence. And, and there's plenty of us who, who will do this, who in life, and especially in business, will manipulate people to, to get what we want. I remember talking with a pastor once who said he, he struggled with this, but, didn't know, like, but also like, didn't want to stop because it worked. That, that, he, that he could use, he saw people as, uh, as objects to be used to, to accomplish a goal. Oof. And I can manipulate people to get what I want. I'm, thanks for sharing that with me, but like, did you hear what you just said? Like, I, I, and I, I'm hearing this going like, Lord, may that never be me. I just want to see people as people and like, how can we help people instead of how can people help me get what I want? But listen, if we're honest, man, in your life too, there's probably times where you're like, yeah, I, I, yeah that's probably me. A little bit, a little bit. And he says, that they were, they were boasting over their influence over you. Man. So who? Who then, Paul, should we be like? What should we do? Paul, what do you want said at your funeral? All right, let me tell you. Here's these Judy, here's these, these false teachers, and here's, what, here's what's gonna be said at their funeral. Here's what they're gonna be remembered for. Here's their motivation for why they're doing this. All right, now let me tell you mine. And this now, for Paul, this is the, this is the centerpiece of the entire letter he writes. Like if, there, if there's a verse, a theme verse of Galatians, where it's like everything's like leading up to this one point where, where all the stuff that he's writing is getting to, this is what I wanna say. I'm gonna write it in really large letters myself. I want you to know just how important this is. Here's what he says. Verse 14, he says, all right, here's what I want. Here's what I want said at my funeral. He says, may I never boast except in one thing, he says. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Paul says, here's what I want at my funeral. Here's what I want you to say. He didn't care about anything else except talking about Jesus. Nothing. Uh, may I not be may I not boast about my accomplishments? And listen, if anyone has reason, and he even says, if anyone has reason to boast, I have more. And he's like, he's the guy who's, who's literally like jump-starting Christianity. He's planting churches all around. Like this guy's in, writing literally half of the New Testament. Like this guy has good reason to say like, hey, I'm kind of important. Like some of us were like, hey, I'm kind of a big deal. Like he could actually say that. 
I'm kind of a big deal. And he's like, no, no, no. May I never boast about any of that except in the cross. And in this language, like even in the, the, our English translation here, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard for it to come across. This is one of those, those, those like areas in, in Greek, which is what the New Testament was written in, where it doesn't translate well. Like where it says, um, where he says like, may I never boast or may it never be that I boast. And, and if you go back and look at different translations, like you'll see just how different they are. Um, King James, I says, God forbid I ever do this. And, and, and the reason is because in the Greek, it doesn't translate over exactly like one-to-one. But he does use this phrase quite a bit. And, and it's, phrase, it's times where he'll, he'll ask a rhetorical question, to, he'll write it down, and then he'll answer it the very next sentence. And he answers it with this very phrase. So here's an example. In Romans um, uh, chapter 6, he talks about how where, uh, where sin is, grace abounds. And then he says, well, okay, if, if, if I have sin, then I have more grace. So like, if I, he says, should we continue to sin more that grace would increase? Like, should... The key to getting more grace then is if I have more sin, then I have more grace to cover that sin. That seems to make sense. And then he answers that very question with this same phrase. And, it, and, and it's translated in Romans as absolutely not, even an exclamation point. It's like a, a solid, of course not. That's absurd. Never should that be the case. It's that same phrase he uses here. It's a little softer in how it's translated. Man, it's not like, may I never be accused of ever thinking about possibly doing this. I don't want, no, no, that's not what he's writing. He's saying, may it never be the case that I ever boast about anything. Absolutely not, except one thing. If I'm gonna boast, it's only in the cross. One commentator writes this about just how, just how scandalous this would have been for him to write this. He says this, actually the Latin word crux, in Latin for cross, was regarded as an expression so crude that no polite Roman would utter it in public. It, we, like you probably have had words in this in your home, like in our home, we had words that were like, it's like naughty words, like naughty words. And, and sometimes we had to, we didn't always know what they were talking about because they wouldn't say the word. They'd say the first letter of the word. You know how it works when you say it and you're like, he said, uh, it's, pardon, excuse my language here. He said the S word. And we're like, what did he say? What did your brother say? Well, I'm not going to say it. I'm like, okay, I'm glad you're not going to say it. But you can whisper it in my ear. He said stupid. And we're like, okay, yeah, that is a word you shouldn't say. Woo. And maybe in your house, there's certain, like, certain words that like, other kids say in their homes and then they say, and you're like, we don't say that word, but they do because they're sinners and we're not. And, and, like, and, and so, so what he's saying is like this, like the, the word cross, the word cross was, a, was an instrument to kill. Like it was a torture instrument. It was, it was the electric chair, our version of like a death penalty device. It was a firing squad. So for them, they're like, we don't even say the word cross. We don't say, no polite Roman would say that. He continues, in order to get around this difficulty, the Romans devised a euphemistic, this is great, a circumlocution, like a, like a all right, we're gonna just, we're gonna kind of talk around it without saying it. And so they would say this in Latin, hang him on the unlucky tree. <laughs> we don't even wanna say cross or crux, but we can, he's gonna go hang on the unlucky tree. All right. So when Paul says, listen, I don't wanna boast in anything except in the crux the cross. Whoa. 
Paul, you can't say that. Do you know what you're, do you know what you're talking about? We don't, we don't use that word around here. I know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly what I'm saying. And this is the most important thing about me and about existence. And if I'm gonna boast about anything, it's in this crux, this cross. Whew. His singular goal, his only passion, the thing that captured all of his attention was the sacrifice of Jesus and what it meant. Uh, most people today will talk about, um, there actually aren't, uh, uh, a majority of people aren't atheists. Most people are, I wouldn't say religious in some way, but maybe they would say spiritual. Like I'm a spiritual person. I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And we say, oh, that's, that's great. Good job. That's, you know, you've, that's a very, very good, smart way to take it. And, and, and you'll, maybe you've heard things like, well, you know, everyone's on a personal journey and wherever you are in your journey is that's where you are and that's your truth. And who am I to criticize where you are in your journey, where your truth is? You're going down your journey. I have a different journey and it might take us on a different path. And they'll say this, what's important is how we treat each other. Yeah, that is important. Except until you ask why. Why is that the one thing that's most important? How we, well, how we treat each other. You treat, treat others how you want to be treated. Why? You realize you stole that from my faith. <laughs> my guy said that, not yours. And, and, and like the golden rule, do unto others. And, and like, for whatever reason, people love that, like that, like we boil down religion to that. I remember when I was in college uh, in, um, I took a year off from, I went to Biola. I took a year off and uh, went to a junior college in, uh, in one of the, and for PE, which like you take whatever you want, which is, I thought was awesome. I took a rock climbing class, which I'm like, this is actually cool. And I, I remember being in class, we're, we're uh, um, we, we rock climb like every week. It was like, it was great, go to a gym. And um, one guy had a rock climbing thing in his garage that we would go to. And I'm like, you know, like hanging upside down, like this is, this is cool. I'm gonna do this to my garage. Uh, then I got married and that wasn't allowed. And <laughs> And I, and I, um, and so we're going to Joshua Tree, which is down south. I mean, if you've been there, it's like a beautiful place, incredible rock climbing stuff. And, and on the way there, somehow religion came up. I think we were listening to music and it was, uh, um, certain songs came on and, um, uh, not Christian songs. And this guy goes, well, you know, every religion pretty much says the same thing. Like I'm not religious because they all say the same thing. Do unto others. Just do unto others how you want them to do unto you. Like every religion. I'm like, well, yeah. That, that's true. And he's like, you know, Jesus said that. Um, karma is, that's, that's literally what karma is. You, you receive what you give out. Um, he's, like Buddha talks about like every religion. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, yes. And I, I, I didn't want to get into it right then and there. Like this guy's going to be holding my line later on. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure we're friendly. And, and, and I'm like, well, yeah, but there's a lot more to it than that. There's more, like, that might be a common phrase, but that's not it. That's not what you boil down religion to. But for some reason, like most people, that's, that's what religion is. And they'll say this, Jesus was a good teacher. He, and he was. He was the, probably the greatest teacher. He has amazing stuff. Like, we still talk about, like, like, even if you're not a Christian, like, you still know some of the stories. And we go, the prodigal son or the good Samaritan, like, you know those things, even if you don't even know anything about faith or religion. Like, oh, you've heard those things, and those are things that Jesus taught. He was a great teacher. That's not what Paul boasted in. That's not what made this new, this, this new faith different was, oh man, the teaching is just so great. What Paul focused on 
was what the gospel writers understood. They knew this to be true as well. That the thing they boasted on was not the teachings of Jesus, though they were amazing and revolutionary and world-changing. What they focused on was his death, how he died. I don't know, maybe you don't realize this, that the Gospels, and we'll pick John in particular. The Gospel of John, when John was written by John, the, the disciple who was maybe the one of, if not the closest disciple of Jesus. And he writes 21 chapters about this man's life. And he's got all kinds of source material. In fact, he's probably got more than anyone. He ends his gospel. I don't know if you've seen this or you, you rec- realize this. Literally the very last verse in the gospel of John, it says this. Jesus, this guy Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. First of all, that's a great way to end a story, right? That's a great way to end a life. Like, listen, he did so much more. Like I couldn't even, there aren't enough, there aren't enough books or paper in the world to write down all of the things that he did. Whoa, okay. But here's the deal. He did, John, that guy, he did write down a book. And he included the most important stuff. He said, I'm gonna write down the stuff that you need to know. And here's what he does. In chapters one through 11, he talks about the life of Jesus and his ministry, three years of his ministry. And then he makes a switch right in the middle. Chapters 12 to 21 are all about his death. Half, you can write anything. You have, and and you aren't lacking material. There is enough to fill all the books in the world. And he says, I have all this stuff. And here's what I'm gonna focus on. Ready? The final week of his life. Half of my gospel is gonna be his final week. It's that important. The events that led to his death are that important. As much as his teaching is great, as much as his parables are amazing, as much as he healed people, what you need to know about is the cross. And Paul, I'm not gonna boast about anything except the cross, this crux. He understood the message and the point of Jesus. And it's all about the cross. Jesus would predict his death many, many times to the point where the disciples had no idea. Like, what are you talking about? The Son of Man's got to be lifted up and then killed and then on the third day rise again. And they're like, what? What are you even talking about? This is the point where Peter, if you remember this, Peter rebukes Jesus. He's like, may it never be. And Jesus says in the famous lines, get behind me, Satan. You don't have, listen, you're not interested in the way of God. He says that to Peter. And it's because Peter is questioning Jesus talking about his death. He's like, that's not how the story ends. And Jesus is like, oh, if you only knew how important this will be. For Paul, what he once said at his funeral was that he he bragged and boasted about nothing in his own life, just about the sacrifice of Jesus. It changed everything. And then he goes on to say this. And in case we like forget that like the, the book of Galatians is an odd book in that like it talks about an issue, this, uh, this issue of circumcision that we read, you know, 2,000 years later and we're like, this is weird. Like there's a whole book about this. This is different. I mean, if I'm gonna write a book of the Bible, there's some other, there's some other stuff I would talk about. And, and, and here's what you have to realize. And I had to realize this early on because I, I was like, this is a weird book. Circumcision is not the issue. It's not what he's talking about. He doesn't even care about it. The issue is changing the gospel. For them, it was that issue of circumcision. For us, it's not that. Here's what it looks like for us. Hey, listen, if you want, if you want to be saved, great. You believe in Jesus, but here's what you got to do. You got to be baptized at our church. You got to do it how we do it. 
We have the, we have the right way to do it. Um, if you, listen, you really want to be saved? Okay, you got you to read our translation of the Bible. This is the only one. This is the only right one. You, you want to be saved? You got to pray and do how, how we do it. We do it the right way. And some of you maybe even grew up in churches like this where it's like, if you, listen, you want to be saved, here's, the, here's what you got to do. And our church, well, listen, we get it. Everyone else is wrong. They're all preaching a watered-down gospel because they're not doing what we're doing. And there's a sense in which it's like, listen, we got it right for them. We got it right. For them, it was adding circumcision. So he says this. He ends, just again, to prove it's not about circumcision. He says this, verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. Like this, this is whatever. This isn't... This is not the thing that we, that will, is the dividing line. It means nothing. What counts, he says, is the new creation. This new creation that we become when we choose to follow Jesus, we be, and we place our faith in him, and we literally become new, different spiritual people. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, this is Paul again. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. What he's talking about is a transformation from your old self to your new self. And he says, that's what matters. And that only happens because of what happened at the cross. It's not because you listen to good teachings or you try to be a good person or you're trying to be loving to people around you or you're, you're treating people how you want to be treated. That's not how you change. That's not like the inner transformation that you experience. It isn't by saying like, I'm going to do better. No, he says it's through the cross. So I'm going to boast about that. I'm going to talk about that. What you boast about is what you care the most about. We can say this, what you brag about is what you're passionate about. And for him, he's like, man, I'm just gonna talk about the cross until, until I die, until they kill me, until, some, until I meet Jesus, I'm gonna be talking about him. Then he ends. He wraps up this letter with a few final words, again, that he writes. And he, he writes this, uh, this blessing and it's a conditional blessing. Most of the time he writes like just a general blessing. I want you to, to know this. But he says this, peace and mercy to who? To all who follow this rule. If this is you, he says, peace and mercy. If you get this, if you understand peace and mercy, God's peace and his mercy for you. The Israel of God. The only time it's used in scripture where he, he uses this phrase Israel of God and there's a lot in there. But he's talking about the people, the true people of God. Not just the Jews or the Gentiles, but those who are truly followers of God, who, follow, who now follow Jesus. And this is the marker. This is what identifies you as a true follower of God. I'm writing to you. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. You can't say I'm in this for personal gain. Like, I got scars. Like, look at my back. Look at my back. This is how much I believe. This is how much I understand this to be true. It's not because I'm trying to make a name for myself or accomplish. I bear the marks of Jesus. So don't, don't, don't accuse me of being like in this for selfish gain. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Boy, what a way to end a letter, right? So, ready? What do you want said at your funeral? <laughs> if you want homework, I'm gonna sign you homework. It's school's back, right? So this is what we do. Your first day of school, here's your homework. To think through and maybe even write down Here's what I want to be known for. At my funeral, I want them to talk about these things. And whatever that is, here's the deal. Ready? You get to start living that way now. Like you don't, you don't wait for them and, and hope that they say it right. All right. I want to be known as someone who really, who really did believe that Jesus changes things. All right. Here's what I got to do then. I got to really believe that Jesus changes things. All right. 
All right, I'm going to boast in only one thing, what Jesus has done for me. Would you do this? Would you stand and, and I'll pray for us and then we're going we're gonna to worship the Lord together. Will you bow with me? So Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And before we continue to pray, I, I'm, I'm just, there may be some of us who, who want prayer, who need prayer. Um, during this last song, we'll have a few people up here who would love to pray with you, pray for you. Maybe you need God's help to rearrange your priorities. Maybe, maybe you're wanting a deeper connection with him. Maybe you need encouragement because you know, like, I, I do need to share my faith. And maybe with a particular person God has put on your heart and you're, I just, man, I'm just nervous, I'm scared. All right. If you would love prayer, they would, they would during this, just come on up during this next song. So Lord, thank you for your servant, Paul. Thank you for uh, the sacrifices and the experiences that, that, he, that he experienced in his body so that we, we could learn about you. We could read these letters 2,000 years later and it still change our lives. Help us to boast in what we care the most about. Help us to boast about you and your sacrifice and what it means for us and how it has changed us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. We worship you now.